Welcome to this time in history, guys. Uh, this was supposed to be the Ward 2 debate, but unfortunately, only one candidate confirmed. He's with me tonight. We're going to do a little uh, interview, a little questioneering. We'll see what happens. Welcome, uh, candidate for Ward 2, Thomas Yanazuello. I'm sorry, I always mess up the names. Uh, you can correct me. Go ahead. My name is Thomas Yanazuello. Okay. I think not I apologize for for butchering. I, I if you've listened to me before, I kind of unfortunately butcher the names, so I, I apologize. Um, so this is the the part I usually do my interviews. Um, I usually have a a bit of a um. I guess a bit of a format that I follow. And one of the things I like to ask the candidates is uh, the questions, why are you running? Why this election and why now? Um, and if you wanna tie it into your uh, parts of your platform and then um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Go ahead. So um, before the pandemic, I was uh, running a delivery business, and my whole life got kind of thrown out of whack. Life never did shut down. Uh, life never throughout the pandemic got into uh, long haul trucking, and eventually have landed on uh, the disables as my career path, and um, brought me into Toronto. Working with autonomous vehicles, uh, I do a lot of being hyper-vigilant. Uh, it's kind of like being a driving instructor to a ghost that you can't see or talk to. Um, so it's a, I have to be always aware of every single possible hazard, even more so than a regular driver because I don't know how the actual driver of the computer is actually going to react in any given situation. Um, so it's going to be really a very, an extra layer of appreciation for our own safety, because I not only am aware of how bad the situation has become, but I know how bad it's going to get in the future. So, um, one of the main reasons why I'm running is because I want to see uh, our, our roads be ready for driverless vehicles that are coming. And are, I don't want to see them plow through children on bicycles because of bad design. So after the pandemic, I've uh, really gotten into volunteering and uh, engaging in local politics. As some of your listeners may know, I ran provincially um, in the Tokyo Lakeshore. Oh, I didn't but, know that. I didn't know that. I'm sorry. No worries. Um, so in this election, um, well, let's go back to in the previous election. I developed a relationship with Amber Overly, who is uh, running in Lakeshore now, municipally. And in... I didn't want to run against her because we're both very progressive. So I, I waited to see which incumbents were going to run in the uh, nearby wars. And 
was eventually compelled to run against Stephen Holliday, who was about to be acclaimed. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I'm running in War Two. Um, it's still part of Etobicoke. It's still very close to where I live. It's still very close to uh, where I work. I drive through it every day in the work truck. And yeah, it's, I want to see it stored and I want to see it protected. That's amazing. You know, I, I've lived in Etobicoke pretty much my whole life. Um, there was that one year in Scarborough, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, so I actually spent 13 years in, excuse me, in Ward 3 um, as a resident. And uh, I mean, I grew up in Ward 1 and, and we moved back to Ward 1. So I, I've been all over Etobicoke. Um, and uh, you're right. I love it, and I want to see it preserved. Um, I'd love to hear about your platform, uh, whatever that you can share with us. Um, go ahead. Well, first and foremost, I will always be an environmentalist, so climate action is obviously my top priority. And while it's difficult to pin down any individual thing to focus on on the tactical piece in terms of climate action, I really just want to look at every single policy decision through the lens of climate. Well, I would say after climate, uh, my next priority is housing. Obviously, everyone is aware that we have a housing affordability issue. Uh, entire generations of people in the city can't afford to buy a home. And it's only going to continue getting worse until we get people elected who are willing to take on the problem. And like I said before, uh, making our streets safer. Oh, and I've also modeled my entire platform off of um, adapting the global best practices that have been tried, tested, and proven in other cities around the world to Toronto, making them into our fabric. Racing our multiculturalism. Okay. I, I, I like it. Um, so I was wondering if uh, this is a question I ask as well. If you've started uh, any of your door knocking or your community engagement, and what kinds of things are you hearing at the door? climate action, affordable housing, and safe streets. I'm also hearing a lot about people being unimpressed with the quality of services the city is providing, considering how much money they have access to, um, whether it's uh, TTC service, our part washrooms being locked, none of the water fountains working, uh, the number of homeless people on the streets every night, all of these issues that our current mayor and council are just ignoring. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so let's talk about... Uh, are there any ward-specific issues that, um, if elected, you are looking to address? Yes, um, definitely uh, TTC fair integration, because our ward is really a gateway uh, to the West. Uh, so I know that a, a lot of our constituents uh, 
they're transferring systems between right. uh, local and provincial. And um, there's a lack of cooperation there. So um, I'd like to try and form an intergovernmental forum with all three levels of government to increase cooperation in the design, development, and funding of our transit systems for buses, trains, subways, and all, everything. Making sure that the uh, experience of traveling throughout Toronto, Ontario, and all of Canada can be more uh, seamless. Absolutely. That actually uh, segues into one of the topics I wanted to talk about. So transit, you know, we've, uh, we've seen the TTC expand into York region. And I'm wondering if you'd be in favor of expanding, whether it's LRT or subway, or, you know, um, uh, 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 rapid bus routes, uh, into the into the west into Peel region and into the east into Durham region. And, uh, Overall, your you know your opinion on um, the current state of the TDC and anything else you want to add on the topic. Uh, I think that the current standard design practice for the TTC bus system is inefficient. We sort of just run all of our buses in straight lines across uh, throughout the grid. In other countries, they have much more efficient systems that they call uh, feeder and trunk design, where uh, buses um, operate at high frequency, high volume across uh, feeder lines between regions, and then trunk lines to distribute people throughout the region. Uh, it ends up looking more like a spider web. Uh, so I think that future developments need to follow that model. As we sort of a, more address the needs of the users of the system, as opposed to designing purely out of uh, what can we do without the least spending, um, that's not addressing the needs that we need to get people from point A to point B in the volumes that they exist in. Yes, I would support expanding into other regions, especially uh, cooperating with other municipalities and the provincial government to do so. Absolutely. And um, in terms of the budget, you know, there are important decisions that need to be made in the next term of council. You know, the city's bleeding money. We have a $1.6 billion backlog in TCHC repairs. Uh, the TTC says they're going to be half a billion dollars short in their funding, according to their own numbers. Meanwhile, their own CEO gets a 21% increase in his salary. For what? I have no idea. Um, I'm just wondering, in terms of the, the budget, um, what, what can we do better? What needs to happen? And overall, what do you see budget-wise for the city over the next term of council? Well, the city is bleeding money, but it doesn't have to be. There's a lot of very inefficient spending going on. There's uh, consultation positions that are basically just friends of somebody who works for the city and accepting a six-figure income for doing basically nothing. Um, there's like a five soccer matches for the World Cup. That's not even final matches for some reason. We're giving them $300 million 
Midland State soccer matches that nobody cares about. Uh, not that nobody cares about soccer, but nobody cares about non-final matches. Let's be straight. Um, so there's a lot of money that is being spent irresponsibly that needs to be repurposed. Another example is the uh, resurfacing Romans budget. Again, this is just um, putting the layer of asphalt over the road, not redesigning it in any way, not making it safer, just perpetuating the problem of gridlock and traffic. And it's one of the biggest items on the budget, literally accomplishing nothing other than fixing potholes. I'm not saying those potholes don't need to be fixed, but we need to do better. Absolutely. And I just want to take a moment, uh, welcome my new co-host. You guys know her from the debates, Ebony. Um, you had to step away, but uh, you've been listening. And anything you want to add on uh, anything we've discussed so far? Um, well, uh, transit being made easier for everyone is obviously a huge many, many reasons. Like, I believe climate change is definitely, you know, a thing. And if we want more people to be putting their cars away, we need to make transit more accessible for everybody. Um, not in terms um, of it being, sorry, not only in terms of it being more affordable, but like, honestly, just easier, right? It needs to be convenient. Otherwise, people are not going to want to put their cars away. So that's, that's great. And I'm really happy to hear that that's passionate for you. Um, also, you see me waving. Um, there's actually spiders. I, I left... I let a spider come in my house yesterday and I was like, I think she's pregnant. I believe she, she has had babies because now they are dropping from the ceiling. So it's good luck. And um, I'm probably not trying to grab your attention, just <laughs> casually relocating them. So don't mind. Do you have any, uh, any questions for Thomas on anything that we've discussed so far? Um, so far, pretty good. Um, I'm just wondering, I don't want to like interject, but um, I love hearing people's opinions of like how to reduce crime. Oh, we're, right. we're, we're going to get to crime. Okay. We're going to get to crime. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's coming up in a bit. But before we uh, talk about crime, Thomas, I wanted to ask you about um, the unhoused situation and affordable housing. I think they go hand in hand. So for unhoused, I mean, I'll, I'll just uh, speak briefly and then I'll let you talk. Um, you know, you watched as I watched in horror as the mayor ordered the police into the parks, not just Trinity Bellwoods, but Lamport as well. And I think there was another one, Alexandra, and, and displace all the unhoused people and rip down their tents and throw out their stuff and, and really just rob them of the only thing that they had left, which was their dignity. And I'm just wondering... In your opinion, what needs to happen? What more can we do? Because I feel like I feel like enough is not being done by by everyone. This is not just like I, I more needs to be done. And I'm just wondering what you might think that that is. And then for the affordable housing uh, uh, part of it, you know, we see all these condos going up. The last ten years, they're going up. There's more going up. Queensway and Etobicoke is getting ready to house some new condos. And I was under the understanding that um, every condo that goes up, there's supposed to be an affordable housing contingent, whether it's 5% or 10% or whatever it is. Apparently, there's a legal loophole um, that I don't know if people know about. So apparently, if the developer or whoever's selling the condo 
lists uh, the five or ten percent of the condos uh, at market price or slightly below market price that counts as affordable housing. Um, and I was just wondering uh, what your opinion is on that and what we can do to help more people get into lower income housing um, and what we can do to help the unhoused. So now I'm going to throw it to you and uh, Ebony, once he's done, if you have anything to, to add, feel free to interject. Right. Well, I just want to start by saying that that those uh, Hampton rates that you mentioned were not reactionary. Uh, they were unfortunately very well thought out and planned by the people paid by our tax dollars. So that is quite infuriating. And the woman uh, behind it was actually hired on as our city manager uh, on an interim basis while we went from another city manager. But still, she should not have been rewarded for that behavior. Um, in terms of how to get uh, our homeless population off of the streets, um, we need to look again at other cities around the world that have had success in this uh, problem. Best example that I could find was Helsinki in Finland, that's their capital city. Uh, they have taken a housing first approach to end homelessness. So instead of what Toronto spends $129 million a year maintaining our homeless shelters, several of them across the city, um, Helsinki only has one single homeless shelter and it's a very low occupancy. Instead, they're spending all of their money buying property, renovating property, building property, and renting the property to the homeless, either for free or whatever they can afford to pay, giving them mental health support and social work support to get their lives together so that they can get out of the system and off the streets. That is the best solution that exists anyone experiencing homelessness. And I just want everyone listening to appreciate that this can happen to anyone. It has happened to several candidates running in this election as well. Uh, as in terms of affordable housing, um, I have been endorsed by and made pledges to um, housing organizations, including More Neighbors Toronto, More Neighbors Toronto even published a uh, fully researched and functioning platform to solve the issue. Um, so I would give my full support to uh, that platform. It involves, first of all, legalizing housing development and uh, across the entire city up to a certain limit, uh, as well as along transit corridors completely limitless, just like high rises where the infrastructure is there to support it, just legalize it, no more having to uh, go back and forth with the city and consultations, just get it done. Um, there was uh, prioritizing affordable housing at every opportunity. Mm -hmm. The minimum, I think it was actually supposed to be a target of 30% affordable. Uh, so we need to start prioritizing uh, 
those units over the marketing units at this point to get that number up. Um, we need to close those loopholes too, as you mentioned. Uh, condo developers should not be just um, lobbying the government really to get those rules ready to do uh, so that they can exploit the system. Taxing equitably and sustainably. Um, that I'm hoping that we can work with the provincial government to establish a land value tax to maximize use of land as opposed to value of property. And um, that will help incentivize building more dense housing as well. Mm -hmm. So means more taxes. Or, sorry, less. Sorry, do you have that in front of I don't have it in front of me. But I, I think it's ended up pretty well. <laughs> uh, sorry, what, what is that? Toronto. Oh no, no, I, I, I saw the um I, I saw the announcement and I, I didn't click on it, but I did see that that you were endorsed by them and congrats on that. Um so uh Ebony, did you have anything you wanted to add? Just that um yeah, I don't think as many Canadians really realize, but I believe it's something like 65% are financially insecure in the fact that they're only one to two paychecks away from being homeless perhaps or not being able to make those important payments that would jeopardize their housing or you know being able to eat and that's really scary i think um i have no idea who it is but i heard there was a candidate who had been um doing the odsp diet and um i think that that's a an experience anybody who hasn't should kind of like working in the service industry if you haven't had to make twenty dollars stretch you an entire week in today's economy you should try it because a lot of people are just oh you know um they need to do more to help themselves or i don't see how it's that bad when they get all this money but like they have no idea what that feels like because they live comfortably the fact that the um middle class economy is pretty much disappearing now it's just the haves and have nots and the fine line between homelessness. It's, it's all we cannot afford it. It's just which one of us are still lucky enough to be able to make it work somehow. But like, it's like cogs in a wheel, you know, you never know which pin's going to pop out next, but we're all playing with a house of card tower, you know, and it's really, really unfortunate that we're all living on the razor's edge down here. So um, I really appreciate that being part of your platform. And I really hope that, you know, we can affect change there. Because it was not just the people on ODSP suffering. Like, we're literally all just borderline homeless poor. I also wanted to mention that uh, it's really a shame that more neighbors Toronto had to come up with this platform. It really should have been um, a dedicated task force employed by the city who should be advising city council to make these decisions. And that's something that the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, did back in 2015, I believe. Um, so I want to bring that model to Toronto of having um, a dedicated task force with sole responsibility is to make sure that housing stays affordable for the people who live and work here and come up with the recommendations for council to make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I believe everybody should have access to affordable and safe. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. 
No, no, I was just agreeing. Absolutely. Uh, moving along, I want to talk about crime in the police. Uh, I'll just tell you a quick little story. Uh, if you've listened to my podcast, then you've already know the story. But uh, like I told you at the top of the episode, you know, I lived in Etobicoke Lakeshore for 13 years. One of the reasons that we left Etobicoke Lakeshore, and when I say Etobicoke Lakeshore, I'm specifically, I'll call it out, uh, Lakeshore and 10th Street. It's gotten really bad the last few years last four or five years that we lived there, it got really, really bad. You know, we had a neighbor that got shot in broad daylight walking to the store. Um, there's drug dealing going on across the street at the basketball court that turns into drive-by shootings, which turns into all the neighborhood kids uh, at, uh, when there's a, when there's a, a long weekend holiday one or two of the nights during that weekend they're buying fireworks and they're engaging in some sort of a war games style game where they're shooting fireworks at each other they're shooting fireworks yep. at innocent bystanders those roman candles yeah, yeah. they're sh they're shooting <laughs> they're shooting uh uh fireworks at ttc buses even brazen enough to shoot them at police cars and the police don't do anything. They, they speed off. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, what more can we do uh, to help curtail the crime? I'm interested in your opinion on the crime rate of Toronto. And I'm interested in your opinion on uh, the job the Toronto police are doing. Go ahead. Okay, well, first I'll talk about what the police are currently doing. Um, I think that our police force is doing a lot of non-police work. We've all seen police officers that are just sitting in front of a construction project um, in their car or talking to the construction workers, distracting them from their jobs. Um, police officers, I don't know how many of you know, are up at uh, 1 a.m. You'll see two parked police cars in an empty parking lot with their driver's side window open so they're just sitting there chatting and having a coffee with their engines running um not to mention like raiding the holes in campus uh harassing cyclists so there's a lot of things oh and speed enforcement there's a lot of things that our police officers are currently doing that they don't need to be doing. I want to see that funding go towards crime uh, prevention through upstream driving factors of crime. Our studies have shown that crime is driven by poverty. That's the number one factor. Uh, alcohol abuse and faces boredom. So if we invest our money in affordable housing, uh, drug and alcohol addiction programs, safe injection sites, and after school programs that keep children busy and off the streets, Love that, that, will, and that will bring down our crime. Giving more money to the police budget to spend on bigger guns and more officers is setting them to war in an arms race against criminals. It's only going to exacerbate the problem and turn us into the United States. Studies have shown that 
when a criminal expects to meet armed uh, resistance when they're about to commit a crime, they bring a bigger gun and they rack up a higher body count. That's effective for policing. Absolutely. Anything uh, you want to add, Ebony? No, I mean, I was going to prompt and, and see what this man thought about after school programs. And I'm, I'm glad to say, like, you're the first um, candidate that we've been talking about that has explicitly said after school programs. And um, I think that that's, you know, actually, maybe Sarah mentioned uh, that we needed more things to keep the youth busy. But after school program is what I'm thinking. I don't understand um, what kids are doing. Well, actually, I do know what the kids are doing. But like how we've got it so that school lets out at like 240 for like high schoolers and people don't get home from work until like 637. And some of them, you know, some people have to travel so far that they're not getting home until eight. And if you're not paying for a babysitter, that is an awful lot of time to be spent unparented. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, extracurriculars like band, um, track and field, those things do do a lot to keep children, not just in school longer, but also just um, actively healthy and more invested in their own health and future, you know, and being more mindful of, you know, demerit points or losing their license and what that might mean to them in the future. But um, I think that's amazing. Also, um, I would like to hear your opinion on like um, urban design. Like, do you have any ideas of what we might be able to do to shape um, and remodel neighborhoods to make them safer? I mean, there's a lot of dark alleys in Toronto. Do you think, you know, maybe better lit areas would might reduce uh, the amount of sexual violence maybe on campus and downtown? Yes, I've actually looked into this. Uh, I believe the acronym was CISPID, uh, something like that. Uh, it was about crime prevention through design. And I saw exactly what you're saying, um, making sure that there are no dark alleys where people will be scared to walk through because they're afraid they're going to get mugged. Uh, just by providing lighting, you prevent crime. It's very simple, and uh, these design standards exist. We just need to provide the funding and apply it. Another one that a lot of people don't think about is actually just trees. The crime rates and forestation in an area are uh, correlated against each other very, very clearly. If you just plant more trees in a neighborhood, crime goes down. Great. I think right. CCTV would be good. We need more, uh, not stoplight cameras, but we do need more cameras that are not owned by businesses and private, but more like owned by so we can you know, keep track, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, moving along, uh, I want to talk about public health. I'm interested uh, to know, uh, I'm interested to know your opinion on how the city handled the pandemic at the municipal level, of course, and um, what you think the city's learned from the pandemic and then ultimately in your opinion are we ready for the next pandemic go ahead uh the city didn't do enough and no we're not ready um i think it's a horrible travesty that we haven't learned our lesson um, all the scientists and doctors are in complete agreement on this we just need better ventilation and we need like it's not rocket science. They're just telling us like replace the ventilation systems, make the windows operable, get fresh air flowing. I don't understand why we are 
setting the dominoes back up again the exact same way they were before. They're just going to fall down again six years from now when the next pandemic comes around. It's, it's mind-boggling to me that to watch this happen, and it's going to be that much more painful if I have to watch this pandemic situation happen again because we didn't learn our lesson. Ebony? No, I mean, um, I fully believe that it took, um, I can't remember her first name, but Dr. Tam, too long, the whole government to be able to decide exactly how many layers was efficient. Um, I'm still not convinced that the cloth ones are going to do you much good, but I'm not here to get into the specific politics, but we needed to present a united front and we needed to have been more thorough, I believe. I think Doug Ford had a bit of a loose hand with uh, the amount of lockdowns. I feel like personally, in my own opinion, they should have been longer and you know, less of them I think we could have done if we had done them more adequately in the first place. But I feel like he pandered to people's votes and like the fact that people were gonna get upset around holidays, but we needed to have dealt with it more efficiently. And I'm, I'm not convinced that if it happened again that we wouldn't just be stuck for another couple of years, I don't think we learned our lesson at all. So um, I'm wondering what would you try and implement in terms of you know more public health um, initiatives? What do you think that we could do to maybe bring this to light so that the next generation might handle this wiser? I think we definitely need to establish protocols now and put them in place before a pandemic happens again. And I would like to see, um, like you said, a unified front in terms of messaging. Um, the protocols in place for uh, a, a unified message to be broadcast on our advertising spaces and our own website and our radios and TV all need to be saying the same things about what people should be doing, what they should be wearing in terms of masking and whatnot, um, about how best to keep themselves safe and just make sure that it's consistent and follows what the scientists and the doctors are saying, not the politicians. Agreed. I feel like there should have been more science and rather than comfort, but what do you think about that, Matt? Um, you know, <laughs> We, we could have a four-hour discussion about what I think, but uh, I think that the system is not perfect. I think that uh, more can be done, and, and that's why this next term of council is absolutely, it, I would say that, it, not to take away from the last two terms, but this one is maybe more important than the last two, you know, we're, we're, we're depending on where you sit, we're at the tail end of the pandemic. Things are starting to come, I hate to use the word normal, but coming back to normal. And, but there's a lot of the, the leftover stuff that we're dealing with from the pandemic, financial and otherwise, and all that stuff's got to be dealt with. And it's, it's got to be done correctly. The right decisions have to be made. That's why this election is so important to, to get the right people in place to make those decisions. And uh, so with that, Thomas, I mean, the listeners are, are, are listening. Why don't you tell them about your website and, and, uh, 
where they can contact you if they have any questions, comments, or suggestions. And then, you know, overall, I mean, this was, again, supposed to be a debate and nobody else showed up. So maybe tell the listeners why they should vote for you. Go ahead. Well, you should vote for me because I am here reaching out to you right now. I'm the only one doing so. Uh, that, that, this is not an anomaly. Um, all of the questionnaires I'm receiving from advocacy groups and newspapers and um, even canvassing, I'm not seeing my opponents anywhere at all. Um, especially horrible from our current councillor, Stephen Holliday, who expects to just continue riding his coattails for the, or his father's coattails for the third time. Um, it would be horribly tragic if we allowed him to continue as counselor. Um, I'm willing to actually say yes to progress for the city and for War II, the Tobacco Center. Uh, the amount of times that Stephen Holiday has voted no on things that would have really helped us is just irritating beyond belief. Uh, he voted down Vision Zero budget, uh, several affordable housing projects. Uh, sorry, I don't have a list in front of me, but just he votes down everything that would help. Oh, opening up our park washrooms as well. So, if you want to find out more about me and my platform, uh, my website is T Beyond Cielo. And we'll include your website in the, the show notes so people will be able to uh, click instead of, you know, entering your name. And yeah, I mean, I spent every I've been to the the Toronto election website every single day since registration. Uh, there isn't a day that I've that I missed it. Um, I want to thank you so much for for coming on and you know like i said this is supposed to be a debate but this was a great interview i had fun i know ebony had fun um and just thank you so much for 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 coming on and and doing this interview i really appreciate it um you know election time for me is like christmas i don't know if you've heard me say this but it it really truly is i love watching all the ward debates and and mayoral debates unfortunately you know this time around i'm going to have to do that remotely cuz i'll be in uh i'll be in north carolina uh during the election. So I'm actually going to take uh, advantage of the uh, advanced polls. Guys, remember that uh, this is to my listeners. Remember that uh, voting day is October 24th. Advanced polls open the 7th to the 14th. Get out and vote. I firmly believe that the only way to affect change is to be part of it. And uh, thank you again, Thomas. And I really appreciate it. And I, I wish you nothing but luck on your campaign trail. And Ebony, do you have anything to add? Oh, no, just saying that if you don't vote, you can't complain. I don't that, want to hear any bitching. <laughs> that too. Um, I'd like to add that uh, you can find me on social media. My handle is T. Uh, I'm very active on Twitter. And 
Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And also make sure that you don't just vote yourself. You bring everybody you know with you. Make it a group outing. Uh, make a plan to go together and hold each other accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. And uh, this interview will be up uh, tonight. So I hope you guys all uh, watch it and enjoy it. And uh, I think that's a wrap here. Yeah, thanks for coming out. You had some really great points. Glad that you came. They're doing more for democracy than our mainstream media. Yeah, social media is the future. Honestly, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody about the fact that I haven't had cable for maybe like a decade and a half, but now you can stream cable channels that a cable box, like we've come full circle, but most of us millennials don't have cable anymore. So if you're not you know, a part of social media, where are you, where are you? So what are you doing? This is the future guys. So this podcast is where it's at. <laughs>